Alright, welcome back. It is the Mouth and Off Sports Show here, hosted by Dan Sadik alongside with Ryan Brown and Jonathan Sullivan. No Zach today, but we got a whole week one NFL slate to react to and week two to preview. And we also have the Celtics uh, versus the Heat as well. They're down 2-0. Things are not good. Things are not good, boys. It was almost like a carbon copy of game one, except it didn't go to overtime. And the Celtics, once again blow a large lead late this one being 17 points they blow a 17 point lead to the Miami Heat and they go down 2-0 game three Saturday night do or die it's do or die time for this team and Gordon Hayward is back for this game how do we feel going into game three um I feel cautiously optimistic I am worried. They uh, they had a big fight. Uh, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart uh, got into it um, after game two. It appears there was throwing, profanity spewed in the locker room. The way I view this is that tonight's game is, obviously it's do or die, but there's only two outcomes for this game. Either the Celtics win by 10 or more, or the Heat win by 10 or more, and the Celtics pack it in. I just I just don't see it going any other way. This is a must-win for the Celtics. This is going to determine whether or not they actually have what it takes to win. Because if they just, they can easily just pack it in, like they did last year against Milwaukee, and you know say we're ready to leave the bubble, we're ready to go back home. But I'm cautiously optimistic that the fighting will lead to a good outcome rather than a negative outcome. But it wouldn't surprise me if it doesn't. But as of right now, I'm leading towards it will. I've been of the mindset that if the Celtics can get two of three out of Tatum, Brown, and Kemba to score 20-plus and go off, that they can win on any given night. And that they should win on any given night, so long as everyone else doesn't stink. And in game two, they had three 20-point scores. All three of them. All three of them scored 20-plus. Smart chipped in 14, the bench 16, and you still lose. You still throw away a lead. And game one, it was just settle for isolation and just one-on-one and pray no ball movement, no offense late in the game in an overtime. Game two, the Heat played a zone, and the Celtics and Brad Stevens acted like they didn't were completely befuddled by his own defense and struggled mightily threw the game away by not adjusting to the zone and it 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 just blows my mind that professional basketball players and professional basketball coaches cannot figure out how to beat a zone and that they their only answer was to try and dribble through it or to just settle for threes you can get a three in a zone whenever you want but that should be the last resort. And you, if you want to try and dribble through a zone from time to time, that's fine. But as long as you are setting up your teammates in the process and forcing the zone to collapse on you. They didn't do that at all. Whenever they tried to drive through the zone, they got out of control, turned the ball over left and right. And so they just ended up settling for threes. And 
the thing that blew my mind the most is their way, uh, their strategy to attack the zone was to almost at time, almost most of the time, space all five players outside on the perimeter. Nobody inside. Nobody at the free throw line. I think I saw Smart do that twice. Go to the free throw line. It just pisses me off that I that we can sit here and be like. Isn't that commonplace? How to attack a zone? Like, can't if if we think we have a, a decent idea how to do it, why can't they figure it out? Or maybe I know we're not basketball gods. We we don't know everything. If we did, we'd be in their positions. But like, it just blows my mind. It just blows my mind that, that you can let a zone just befuddle you. And you're supposed to have one of the best coaches, or at least what we're led to believe one of the top upper echelon coaches in the league in theory and you just locked him up you just signed brad stevens to a fat extension too and he's not the biggest problem on the team not by any means i have issues with kemba's shot selection he does go for his bread and butter but he also just fires from from three way too often without calculating or if it's even slightly contested he needs to give that up if he's not hot. If he's not riding a hot hand, I only want him taking threes if he is like pretty much wide open, end of the shot clock, whatever. But he's been jacking up way too many. Uh, we've talked about it before. Averaging over eight threes is too much for Kemba, and that's what he's doing. Also, Tatum and Brown accounted for just 37% of the team's second-half field goals attempted, 11 of 29, and Tatum only attempted one field goal in the fourth quarter. That is unacceptable. Jalen Brown should not have to hit back-to-back-to-back threes for you to just crawl back in the game and finally figure it out at the very last second in a just grasp of desperation. You shouldn't have to have that happen when you have, like you said, Ryan, any given night, there's two to three guys that should be putting up 20-plus any given night. We saw it throughout the regular season. It was commonplace. It was one of the best staples of the Celtics team was that they had Three guys, four guys arguably, Kemba, Hayward, Tatum, and Brown. Any given night could go for 20 to 25, Tatum 30, 30 plus. So to have your two best options, Tatum and Brown, account for that little of the shots attempted late in the game when everything matters, that's not good. It's not good at all. And then, Jonathan, I want to touch on your point about the fight afterwards. You know, I just, all of a sudden, Gary Washburn is just tweeting out a storm like, oh, you know, hearing all this ruckus in the Celtics locker room, said the team was imploding, whatever. I also saw Shaq say, you know, how championship teams, it's not all, it's not all gravy. There are fights, there are battles, and I'm glad that, you know, they were able to come out afterwards and Jalen said, you know, we're still a family, you know, people and and, and families fight. So I hope and pray this is something that is going to be a net positive for the team because the last thing they need is to not trust each other. Because that is the worst thing that could happen to any contending basketball team in my mind. You lose trust, and it's over. And I pray that they haven't lost that. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, uh, Dan. I I don't think it's going to come back to bite them the fight. I mean, I was a little nervous because they didn't practice yesterday, which I viewed as a sign of... They might be potentially packing it in, but hopefully, you know, they took the day, 
let cooler heads prevail, maybe watch some film, got some shots up, just not a formal team practice. And then they went through, you know, shoot around today. And, I mean, they got to have an answer. Brad Stevens, this is a humongous test for Brad Stevens and the players because you saw it with Toronto and you saw it with Miami. For some reason, this team cannot crack his own, as Ryan said. I It doesn't make any sense to me. You high school freshman teams can crack a zone. Like, this is this is ridiculous for the talent they have on their team. They should be abusing the zone. For the talent that they have, for the coaching staff that they have to assemble, somebody should be able to, to just be like, hey, this is how we have to do it because this isn't working. We have to try something different. And it didn't look like they tried anything different for the entire second half. The Yeah, I'm sorry to butt in, but the one mm-hmm. thing I do want to, as like a caveat to that, mm-hmm. What if I'm giving it still a small chance that there is some of that trying to be implemented and maybe it's not getting through to the players? Maybe they, they get on the court and they want to do something else. I think there's a chance of that. But it, if that's the case, then that means... Then that's on Brad. That means Brad has lost the team. Yeah, which and, would be horrible. Which, which is a far cry from where we were at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, but to go back to your Kemba Walker point, taking too many threes, he took 11 threes last, uh, in game two. Smart, Brown, and Tatum combined took 12. Yeah. That's, that, the way Kemba's been shooting the five games prior to game two, he had no business taking 11 threes in that game. Thankfully, he hit four. So it's not a terrible stat line. So it looks like sort of reasonable. That- but still... That sounds like to me is that he doesn't. He's in his head. He doesn't think he has his explosiveness to get his shots off in the paint, or yeah. he can't get to his spots at the elbow. And that you know he's just the threes are the only shot that he can take because he's only six feet tall. And if he gets into the paint, he doesn't have his elusiveness and quickness. He's gonna get blocked every time. Yeah, and he's been struggling at the rim a lot. He's he's made a layup here or there, but. More often than not, when he's been taking it to the rim of late, he's been getting rejected or losing the ball or a no foul call. He's it's just not it's just not working for him down low. And I do th- I agree, John. I think it's a confidence thing, and I think he's settling for what he knows that he can get instead of trying to play within himself. And and he's letting the di- the defense dictate what he does. And if that continues. In this series, the Heat are gonna run train. They're just gonna, they're gonna dominate. Yeah. This will be a the quickest, most embarrassing sweep of all time. And it, it shouldn't be because these are close games, and the Celtics should find a way to win these close games. But they're they get these big leads, and then they just hand hand it right back to the Heat. The Heat just want it more at the end, and hopefully the Celtics turn that around. Because if they don't, this is gonna be a real tough way to go down yeah and again third quarter you know we all know third quarters are just bugaboos for the Celtics they have been for the past few years I mean you get outscored 37 to 17 in the third quarter you got no one to blame but yourself like that that is more than just we didn't hit our shots because guess what they shot well the Celtics shot 50 percent throughout the whole game that's what they finished with I mean they just they didn't share the ball and again, too much iso ball. Not they didn't even crack twenty assists. And I mean, the Heat just want it more too. I I get that's probably a very you know cliche, but just watching the games, how can you not come to that conclusion that they obviously want it more? 
the effort level is higher. I wouldn't say it's much higher, but you know, there's just too much, too much softness from the Celtics on the point that they just let the game affect them so much. They're so emotional. They're still really young overall. Their main core, besides Kemba, I mean Kemba's thirty now, but everyone else that's good on the team is young. Very and it's just young. the second half. The first half they, they play fine, and then at some point in the second half they go on a run, they get a double digit lead, and then they crumble. They don't know how to close. They don't know how to close games to save their life. Well, I think the biggest thing between the Heat and the Celtics, you were saying effort and whatnot, Dan. They the Heat wanted more. I think it's literally the Heat play their game 48 minutes. The Celtics play their game for about 34 minutes. It's like the Heat, you see the Heat in the fourth quarter. They're passing it, the ball's moving, screens, people are moving up. The Celtics, the first quarter, second quarter, even parts of the third quarter when they when they play well in third quarters, and even in the beginning of some fourth quarters, they're playing good, the ball's moving, they're getting out in transition, and then it's like they're up with like five minutes to go and it's like they're hanging out for dear life and they're like they're trying to play the clock right mm-hmm. rather than playing their game and getting open looks just because you're taking an open look and there's eight seconds left on the shot clock doesn't mean it's a bad look i would rather take an open look with eight seconds on the shot clock than have a contested look with you know a second left on the shot clock and you saw that all the time in game one Every possession, they were waiting until five on the shot clock. And you saw it in the Toronto anything. series too. It's not. It wasn't. It's not new to the Heat series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you deserve to be down 2-0, With all that said, from each of us, and just the sheer fact, like letting you know when you refer to letting the clock run out or whatever, or uh, for Tatum, that regulation um, buzzer beater he tried to hit in Game One. They're playing not to lose. They're not sticking their neck out when they need to. And again, like you, you blow a 17-point lead in the second half against a team that you are more talented than, in my opinion. I think we all agree on that. And it's just unacceptable, top to bottom. Like they have, they have a good coach. The Heat do. Spolstra is right up there for sure. And they have good talent, but the Celtics are just. They're shooting themselves in the feet constantly late in these games, late game turnovers, what have you, or just, again, not the right trust, I guess, in some guys. Like, again, Ryan, like you said, Jason Tatum is by far your best player. He played the most minutes out of anybody in game two. And out of their core group, Kemba, Tatum, Brown, and then right now Smart, he had the least amount of shots attempted out of all of them. That is unacceptable. Yep. That can't happen. That is not a winning formula. I don't care. You know, Kemba, I love you. Mean it. 19 shots is not your game. That's not, that is not your game. You need to be more like Tatum in the 12 to 15 max. And I want most of those not being threes. Maybe a, a handful at most. It, it's ridiculous. This team is so much better than what they've shown us. Yeah, I mean, I'm watching. I'm watching Goran Dragic do to the Celtics what Kemba Walker should be doing to with to the Heat, which is a shifty, crafty guard that can get downhill, pull up, hit good shots in transition, hit a three from time to time. And I mean, Kemba is getting outplayed, plain and simple, by Goran Dragic. Goran Dragic has been the best player in the series on either team, yep. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be very interested to see how Gordon Hayward 
plays into this series. He's he's active for game three, and I don't know how much he's going to play. I don't know if he's going to be on minutes restriction or not. I don't know if he's going to come off the bench or start. Probably off the bench, but he. I want to see if he is the missing link that just makes the offense click in the second half. I want to see if he's in there in, cl- in crunch time, late in the games, over a Smart or over uh, Tice, or if they go small, what, what have you. But especially if the Heat throw a lot of zone, I am interested to see if Hayward is out there for that and if he sort of helps facilitate and if he is that calming presence <coughs> that allows the Celtics to figure out how to play how to beat the zone because right now it doesn't seem like anyone on the team knows how to and again too with him he could really be huge for the bench in general just helping that unit and being able to create his own shot and score points for the bench unit but as well obviously late in games he's got to you know him being there could be a huge difference it could not really do all that much because who knows it could break up some of the flow that they've created since he's been gone but they sure could use him going forward because clearly they don't have enough without him, at least right now. You know, from what they've shown us overall, they do not have enough without Hayward. They're not going to win the series without Hayward. And, you know, I think he's huge because he's a great shooter compared to what they have on the bench in general. And he's just another option. He's another threat that the Heat have to worry about. And I'm... I'm just very hopeful, cautiously hopeful, that he's, like, close to 100%. I I don't imagine Hayward's 100%, but it's been about a month, right? It's been right around a month since he got hurt. So, I think I think it's going to be a net positive. It's just how much of a positive is that going to be? Yeah, I don't, I don't expect Hayward to come out and light up in the points category tonight. I think he's going to be a little bit rusty. But I think the biggest impact to him is... If they trust him and he's healthy enough to play down the stretch in late games, it seems as though their offense has been Tice in the middle, Smart in one corner, Brown in one corner, Kemba or Jason Tatum handle the ball. I think that down the stretch, if you swap out Smart for Hayward or even Tice for Hayward, if the Celtics really want to go small, that gives you another player that I think they're very confident in, in a, in a I would say an above average um facilitator of the ball and a playmaker um so i think that he could really help in that he is in there tonight in in my opinion he's not there to score you know 30 points and save them he is in to you know rack up you know 10 points whatever seven rebounds six assists something like that i want to see him being a playmaker because they need a playmaker down the stretch because this iso ball is just not going to win for you no uh, absolutely not they turn the ball over way more often than not when they're playing that iso ball, especially late. So, it's tough because this group is really good, and I would if, if they go down like this, if it goes down in flames, they end up getting swept or it's a yeah. 4-1. You're talking about blowing it up, potentially. You're talking about making a lot of tough calls in the yeah. offseason. Yeah, I don't know about blowing it up, but... You're really real evaluating things. I think front, to, you know, front to back, yeah. the whole bit. Can I get uh, predictions tonight for Game Three? Yeah. I give you. I think the Celtics win by about ten. I think they not like a. It's not going to be a blowout, but they're going to have that comfortable cushion. They're going to close. 
but they're going to do it because they're not going to choke the way they choked in game one, games one and two. They're going to be able to hold on to the weed for the most part late. And again, I think having Hayward in there, like you said, late, help facilitate, less iso ball, less trying to just drain the clock and suck the life out of your offense. I think it's going to be a little bit different. So about a 10-point win for the Celtics going into game four. I, I haven't seen anything to lead me to believe that the Celtics are about to turn it around. So unless Hayward makes the key difference, I think the Heat are going to win again tonight. And I, it pains me to say that, but the Celtics, like you've said at the start, Dan, 14-point lead in the, late in the game, 17-point lead late in the game. Both of them choked away. It, it almost feels like if the Celtics aren't up at least 25 going into the fourth that they're not going to handle like hang on to that lead and i that 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 just pain it just brings me so much pain to say that yeah (sighs) i i know you're saying there ryan but i'm i'm more on dan's side with this game i i think that they are gonna pull it together tonight um you saw it in game five against the raptors when they were tied 2-2 I don't think it's going to be that much of a blowout, but I'll give you one twelve ninety nine Celtics tonight. That's my that's my guess. I'll I'll say the Heat win by four. I I don't know. I I'm praying to God I am wrong. I I want to be as wrong as humanly possible. I hope the Celtics win by twenty. I need it. I need it. But from what I am seeing. The Heat are going to find a way to win this if the game is close at the end. If the game, I'll give you that. If the game is close at the end, I have no confidence in the Celtics yeah. to win. If it's like if it's within, if it's a single digit game with three minutes to go, yeah. I can easily see the Heat. Even if the the Celtics are up nine, I can easily see the Heat yeah. finding a way to make it a one possession game with like forty seconds to yeah. go, tying the game with. 20 and then it just devolves yeah. well that's what you saw happen in game 7 against Toronto they're up 10 with like 4 54 to go or something like that and Van Fleet had that 3 to tie with 40 seconds left and if he hits that who even knows if Celtics are here I don't know go Celtics go Celtics 1000% um, to swing it to the other side real quick before we move on to football how about the Clippers man how about the L.A. Clippers? What a bunch of frauds and chokers. Playoff P is an absolute joke. Absolute joke. And Kawhi, Playoff P and Kawhi combined for 24 points in Game 7. Imagine. Imagine that. I think Kawhi had one basket in the second half. Yeah, I know they combined for zero in the fourth. <laughs> the nut. The, <laughs> the nut. We, we laugh. We, like, we can laugh because at least the Celtics are in the conference finals. Yeah. Maybe the West is the harder conference, but still, like, to be up 3-1 and to, to lose three in a row and to the whole time they, were, they lose game five, uh, we, you know, what? it happens. We'll, we'll get them game six. Game six, they lose. Ah, you know, stuff, things happen, man. It, it, it's the ups it, and downs, it, man. It, it, it's, you can't win them all. Game seven, absolute choke job. Oh. Tough. Really bad look for 
Paul George and Kawhi. You cannot and Doc Rivers and Doc as well. Trash. Just the whole team. Lou Will didn't do anything <laughs> yeah, to Lou bail Will them was out. So bad too. They let oh. Jamal. They and they, they they couldn't even lock up Jamal Murray. They it's one thing to struggle on offense, but then they let Jamal Murray drop a forty burger on them in Game Seven. He wasn't ready to leave. He's still not ready to he, leave. He, he he texted the team. He said, "Guys, I'm not ready to leave yet." So naturally, they were just going to come back from three one. He was folding clothes, and he's like, nah, nah, screw this. Look, as as much as it was a choke job by the Los Angeles Clippers, credit to the Denver Nuggets <laughs> yeah. for overcoming another 3-1 deficit. Oh. Only 13 times has that happened in NBA history where a team has come back from 3-1 down in the series to win the series, and the Nuggets have done it twice already. And they're, they're, they're the only team to do it twice in a single postseason. Well, I would assume so if it's only happened 13 times. It's just crazy. I cannot, like, the NBA is one of those sports, like, it, it's one thing to do it, like, once. Yeah. Or, like, whatever. Twice? And, and it's the NBA? And it probably wouldn't have happened if they weren't in the bubble. Just because I feel like somehow one of those... Yeah. Along the way, one of those away games, uh, road games, in both of those series would have came back to bite them. But don't matter. They're in the bubble. Everyone's playing in the same conditions. So, yeah, kudos to the Denver Nuggets, man. Like, just unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable what they did to the Jazz and then what they did to the Clippers and just absolutely embarrassing the Clippers on a national stage. You love to see it. You really do love to see it. And the Lakers better be careful. Don't want to go up 3-1. They're up 1-0 right now. You definitely don't want to go up 3-1, though, if you're the Lakers. But, but they're the Lakers. They, they would never. I don't know. I don't know. Just I, The only downside to this is we Gosh. were robbed of Lakers-Clippers conference finals that literally everyone was waiting for all season. True. But... I'm fine with the... I am, I am glad to see teams stepping up and knocking off the... The teams that are pegged as the, the the cream of the crop, the title contenders. I'm glad to see a little bit of parity in the NBA. And I know I'm not the only one on, on this show that is happy to see some... I know you're stoked to see I the Nuggets. Yeah. I love parity. I got. I do have some money riding on the Nuggets. Uh, I still don't think they're going to win. I think they're going to lose the Lakers. But yeah. the way this, this playoffs goes, who knows? You know, who knows? Maybe, maybe they'll shock me <laughs> for a third time. Hmm. I mean, if it had been Celtics box and Clippers Lakers, everyone would have been just rolling their eyes and just been like, "Oh well, shocker! The, the it's star driven league. The, the the team with the best players won. Yeah. Shocker!" But to see some some actual shake up in the foundation is has been great to see. Uh, I, I agree. I think the Lakers will find a way to win this this series. I don't know if it'll be handily. I think. When the the Nuggets' backs are against the wall, they're gonna push back and win a game. They'll or still two. win or two, yeah. But um, I do think the Lakers will find a way to get to the finals, and hopefully the Celtics can turn around and meet them there. And that would be a tremendous final. Hopefully, one for the ages. But you gotta get there. You gotta get there. The Celtics have a long way to go to get there. Yeah, they've they've dug themselves in a rather large hole. So. It's going to be tough, and it's not like they're going up against a team that will go down lightly in the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler, sure, will not go down lightly. That's a man's man right there. We all know that. Um, so, yeah, go, uh, go Celtics. Um, hope and pray. Pray and hope. 
Moving on uh, to the NFL and Patriots. We'll start with the Pats. Week one, they win at home against the Dolphins 21-11. to Cam Newton gets his first win as a Patriots NFL quarterback. And it looked different. It sure looked different uh, overall. Just the offense, Cam, running 15 times for over 70 yards. Hopefully he's not running quite that much every single game. But overall, I obviously it looked different. Uh, the passing game wasn't, you know, firing on all cylinders, but he was accurate. He was, what, 15 of 19, mm-hmm. around 150 yards. We'll definitely take that because we all know this offense is not going to be like the Kansas City Chiefs or the Ravens. But week one against the Dolphins, I am encouraged. I will use that word, not go too much higher than that because I think that that's about it. Because it, it, it was the Dolphins. If they win against Seattle – like on Sunday night, then we'll be really talking. But Miami win is a uh, is a good start. Yeah, for um, their for their first game with no tr- barely any training camp, no preseason whatsoever, no time to really get some live action work repetitions. They look the offense looked pretty solid. It's obviously a far cry from what we're used to seeing. But Cam was efficient. It wasn't anything crazy. Fifteen of nineteen for one fifty five. 15 carries for 75 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. You really can't complain with that. However, the fact that they were in the lead for the entirety of the game, they they scored first and they held the lead for the entire game, I, I believe. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's not always going to be the case. At some point, they're going to go up against teams like potentially this week in, against Seattle where they're trailing by 10. And they they later on in the second half, and they can't just run, run, run. They're gonna have to make some throws, and they're not yeah. gonna be able to just dip and dunk either. They, they're gonna have to make some some plays downfield. And so I'm definitely interested to see how how the offense reacts to the first time they face adversity down a more than a touchdown. Right. Yeah, Jonathan. Well. As you said, adversity, I think, is coming this weekend. I think the adversity is coming this weekend. They got a really hard matchup. I was pleasantly surprised with the Patriots. That game, they only won by 10, but it should have been a blowout. They would have been up, what was it, uh, 21-3 um, if the, their worst player, Enkiel, didn't fumble oh, yeah. out of the end zone. And give a touchback to the Dolphins, which they then went down and scored a touchdown and scored a two-point uh, two after attempt to make it 14-11. But Cam, I thought, looked good. They didn't throw the ball a lot. I think that's pretty obvious. They don't, outside of Edelman and some of the running backs, they really don't have a ton of pass catchers. One of these games, I'm going to go on the record and say one of these games, N. Keel is going to play well. I don't know which game it's going to be, but just for one singular game, he's going to play well. I mean, he's going to come back to the mean eventually and be garbage. But for one game this season, he's going to play well. Um, But Cam, I was impressed with Cam. He ran 15 times. I don't think they can keep that up all season. I think he's too old and he's got too many miles on him uh, to keep that up. But the defense looked good. I mean, Fitzpatrick was garbage. But he did torch that defense last December uh, when the Patriots had a chance to get a bye in the first round of the playoffs. 
and I gotta say, I give them like I give them an A minus. If I was gonna grade them, I give them an A minus. But I, take that with a grain of salt because if they come out tomorrow and get blown up by thirty, it's just because they played a horrific football team last week. Right. Yeah. And I mean, there was definitely like some other things that were encouraging just about the team in general, like Joe Williams, uh, the corner who was covering tight ends. Uh, he was covering Gasecki or whatever. Yeah. Um, he looked good. J.C. Jackson obviously looked really good. He got the game ball from from uh, Belichick. And I think with Cam, uh, I saw the the past quarterback coach. I forget his name off the top of my head. He, um, you know, he said basically like from week to week as Cam, you know, progresses and feels more comfortable, things are going to open up a bit more for him in the playbook and just the offense in general. You know, I think it's just especially no preseason. You didn't have the same training camp you didn't get to have split squad uh scrimmages so he's you know it is going to be kind of like baby steps obviously for the first few weeks but overall you know his arm looked good obviously you know he had that shoulder issue but he looks fine I don't think you know arm strength or any of that is going to be you know an, an issue like you said Jonathan 15 rushes I don't need Cam you know getting beat and battered and put in risk uh, to take a bad hit or something like that. But, you know, I'll take it. I, I think Belichick said something like, you know, those weren't all supposed, you know, those weren't all planned rushes. You know, obviously sometimes it's just the way they read the defense that's going to dictate if he runs or not, obviously. So, yeah, it, it was encouraging. Like, I, I wasn't expecting a blowout. I thought the Pats were going to win. I picked them to win. Um you know, on our show last week for it. And, yeah, I'd say it looked as good as it possibly could have on the first week against who you were playing. Seahawks, it's, it's going to be real, real interesting. Their defense obviously isn't what it used to be, but it's still, it's still no slouch for sure. And Russell Wilson, Bill Belichick thinks Russell Wilson is the best uh, quarterback in the NFL. And I, he might not be wrong because he's a freaking – He's a freaking beast, and I'm afraid. I'm really afraid of the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, and Chris Carson is not going to be not going to be easy. He's probably going to go off as well. So, yeah, there, there's a lot to be afraid of. Uh, DK Metcalf. I'm really high on DK uh, Metcalf. Huge DK guy, but it's one of those things. Like if they come out and beat Seattle on national TV Sunday Night Football, I'm sorry, but. Juices will be flowing, boys. 12, We're gonna twelve and four, twelve and four train, baby. <laughs> Hop on board before we get too full. Should have waited till after to start hyping the twelve and four. Now you jinxed it. I didn't jinx shit because right. if because no one's expecting them to beat Seattle. I'm not. You're not, Jonathan. No. Ryan, you're not. Uh, so I think I might be. Oof. Ryan. I might be. Ryan's picking the Pats? I like them with the points. I don't like them outright, though. Uh, So, Uh, like, they ran for over 200 yards and three touchdowns as a team last week. Obviously, it was the Dolphins. But that's still impressive nonetheless. You can't take that away from them. To go back to Jonathan's point, yes, Nikhil Harry hasn't shown us much, but... Five catches, I'm pretty sure that's his career high. Yeah. I, I know yes. that's not something yes, crazy. Yeah. But five for 39 is a good starting point. It's also point. his career high in yardage. So, so 
if he like you can not. build if you, if you build that to what eight for sixty, eight for sixty five seventy, I'll take that on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. And if Edelman's the guy that you look for for the nine, eight for ninety or whatever, and then you, you look for somebody else to sort of hit those those busted plays down the field, great. But I, I, I that's a good starting point for Nikhil, for me. Um, the defense stuffed the run completely for the Dolphins. The Dolphins couldn't get anything really going on the ground for the most part. They picked off Fitzpatrick three times, so the secondary looks looks solid again. Oh, yeah. Um, and they were efficient. The, the Pats were efficient on third and fourth down. Uh, they converted their only fourth down opportunity. They were, I believe, a, right around 50% on third downs. And only three penalties and one turnover, which was the stupid McKeel <laughs> fumble into the end zone. Tough. Um, he said he learned his lesson, though. I hope he did. Yeah. Okay, I hope yeah, he did. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think, I think it's gonna be very close. Like the line is four and a half for Seattle. Do I think the Pats will cover? Oh, I think I, I think, think the Pats are do. covering. I think they're gonna lose mm, by field goal. I, I think it, it all depends on on the first quarter. If it's it, it, or even the first half. If it's close. If it remains a close game early on, I think the the Pats can not only cover but win. But if the Seahawks get out to an early 10-14 point lead and the Pats aren't able to push back and and sort of cut chip into it, uh, I I could see the Seahawks kind of handling business, maybe even cruising to a a double-digit victory. Yeah, I agree with you there. Mm -hmm. I think the Patriots need defensive stops on their first two or three possessions because as we've said before on this show this Patriots team with the players they have on offense it is not this is not a team that you're going to get down 24-7 or 21 nothing, and they're going to come back and make it a game because they're just not built to throw the ball 50 times no. they don't have the personnel to do it even, even like 24-10 or like even for 27-10 Something like that is just where it's a borderline two, three possession game. I'm not. Sh- I have to see it first. I'm not sure if this offense is capable of making comebacks. Yeah. Uh, even if even if that's if they jump up or fall behind down 17 in the second quarter, I'm not sure if they're built to come back in the games. They're gonna like you said, gonna be relying on the defense to keep them in games and give the offense plenty of time to get back into it. Yeah, and for the defense, you know. If they're going to come back from, like, a big deficit or anything like that, the defense is going to play a huge role in that, especially, you know, shortening fields, just giving the offense more cracks at it, like you guys said. And then I think there's, you know, other little nuggets, too, that are good. J.J. Taylor, you know, little tiny back, um, you know, 4 for 28, average 7 yards a carry. He had one catch. Not saying he's going to be anything special, but, like, He's a guy that would have probably popped in the preseason that we would have been talking about. Now he's going to be Darren Sproles. He could be Darren. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> no, but, like, just anything that that is going to help out Cam Newton uh, run that offense, I, I'm just beyond rooting for. And anything that is slightly positive, I'm, I'm going to find it. Uh, I will find it. And another thing, too, is that I think Nikhil with Cam has a chance. He has a chance because Cam really is trying to make it work. 
He's really working with him. He's trying to establish a, that rapport with him. Brady was What's nowhere. That? I, don't, I think it was just he didn't have the chance. Nikhil was hurt well, that too. That most too. of the season. That too. He just didn't get a chance. I won't put we it knew, on. We, we knew yeah. that out in, in camp last year that Brady was trying to establish that connection with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he got hurt. He was on the IR, came back, was thrown in the fire. Didn't They didn't mesh. They weren't on the same page. And then Nikhil ended up being useless. Well, we him. also had found out, too, that Brady was... He, Brady wasn't running the first team offense in practice yeah. a lot last So last they just didn't too. have it. Yeah. Exactly. But I would but, I would like to raise an argument to that point that you think Nikhil's going to be able to mesh with like Cam. He has more two, of a chance. Two yeah. things I want to say. Yeah, what's up? First off, this is from Nikhil this week. Harry Shoulder is listed as, a question, as questionable for Sunday night's game against the Seahawks after practicing in a limited fashion all week. So he's not, you know, building Stuff. tons of reps if he's in limited fashion all week at practice. And the other reason why I think that they're trying, but I don't know if it's going to fit, is because I've raised this before. But you have a guy who was last in the league last year in separation and a quarterback who's historically below average in his accuracy. So that, on on paper to me, is not a recipe for success when you have a guy that doesn't get open. He needs a ball basically put to a spot to catch it. I will say... That Cam, most of his throws looked very precise. Yeah. I know it's the Dolphins, and I know it's one game, but that's about as good of a of a of a starting point for Cam as the quarterback yeah. of the New England. They def- they definitely ran him sets to get him easy open throws, and I didn't really see any type of throws that were like dimes, like you got to put it into the tightest window. Mm-hmm. Most of his throws I thought were short, or they were into the middle of the field to guys that were pretty open. Um, so they schemed it up very nicely for Cam, hopefully to get his confidence up, um, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the kicking game is what it is. You got Nick Folk. He, he's going to give you what he's got. He was 0 for 1 on attempts and makes. You know, he was able to give you the PATs, but he's really not going to be hitting any big kicks for you. He's going to be hitting the, the gimmies. Unless... Uh, the rookie, Roar Wasser, unless he figures it out on the practice <laughs> squad, but I don't envision that happening, then, yeah, you're just kind of, it is what it is. And it's not like bringing Gostowski back would have helped you at all. That guy stinks. He was like, what, three? Yeah. He was three in, extra in his point. Tennessee debut and the extra point. So it's not like you could have brought back Gostowski and things would have been all great and merry. Nick Folk is what you got. Yeah, I trust Nick Folk from inside 40 yards. Once he gets over that 40-yard mark, that is my confidence starts to get less and less every yard after 40. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 40 to 45, you're like, I think he yeah, can make I'm it, like but I'm 60 not. 60 to 75. Yeah, I'm not totally once sure. Once you get over 45, it drops below 50, and once you get over 50, it's like negative. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when it's 50 plus, I'm like, uh, are they just going to go for it, or are they going to yeah. punt? They're not kicking it. Like, I... I don't even know if he can reach from 50 yards. He uh, he certainly does not have a big leg. I think he, I think he's capable, but he's just... I mean, he's, he's shaky inside of 50. Yeah. So what, his accuracy isn't exactly going to go up the further away he is. <laughs> 100%. So um, I think he's capable. I think it's just extremely unlikely and that he's, he's going... He would make those kicks. Uh, I just think that the team doesn't want to bother... 
I think if they had to, they they trot him out there and see what happens. But they didn't they didn't have to do that against the Dolphins. Maybe they'll he'll have they'll have to do that against the Seahawks. We'll see. Right, and one more thing I'm going to add is one of the biggest question marks on the team still is uh, the running back spot. You know, Cam Newton was your leading rusher. Obviously, no Damian Harris. So presumably, he Damian Harris. That is the plan. That's what they plan on doing. But they really do need that because I mean, Sony Michelle, ten of thirty-seven, three point seven average yards per carry is not going to cut it. And Cam Newton cannot carry your rushing and passing. Yeah. Do you have the box score pulled up right there? I do. Can you read off the carries by runner? Because I'm I. It was definition running back. By oh yeah. It was Sunday. so Cam had fifteen. Sony Michelle had ten. Rex Burkett had seven. James White five. JJ Taylor four. Julian Edelman one. So it was, yeah, you're right, Jonathan. Very much running back by committee. Hopefully Damian Harris is good enough where he can shake that up. You know, I don't care if they sprinkle in whoever else they want to here and there, but I want Damian Harris to be that consistent back yeah. for Cam Newton because, you know, I want as as much unpredictability as possible. And with Sony Michelle out there, you know, you just know they're running it. Yeah, I mean, I think that definitely even when Damian Harris comes back, I mean, this team isn't going to have a three-down back. Their their goal is to be a very run-heavy team, and they're going to rotate these guys in situationally when their legs are fresh and they think they can exploit them. You know, you'll see probably Sonny Michael or Harris on the goal line. You might see J.J. Taylor in when they want to run a draw and they want to sneak something, something like that. Um, you know, it's going to be all situational. I think they're they're definitely very running back by committee in their they're just going, you know, plug and play, yeah, plug and yeah. play for the guys. Right. Very fantasy unfriendly. Yeah, don't don't start any Patriots <laughs> running back. Yeah, you definitely don't want to do that. So we had uh, other games as well. You know, if we want to go over each uh, a notable game, what have you, I think it's only fitting that I go over this one real quick, or at least bring it up. The debut of Tom Brady. With the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did not go so well, fellas. They lose 23-24 to on the road against... Uh, 23-34 on the road against the New Orleans Saints. And Brady did not exactly look like Brady. Uh, Tampa did not look good. Gronk looked horrible. The defense looked bad. The offensive line looked horrible. Uh, Chris Godwin is banged up now. Their running game isn't really anything at all. I know Leonard Fournette just got there, but like they look like a total enigma right now compared to what we thought or at least some of us thought going in. Zach, our fourth uh, host, would, you know, he's probably doing somersaults right now. Um, So, yeah, not a good start for for Brady. Bruce Arians comes out and criticizes him after uh, the loss as well. I'm not going to read too much into that unless it keeps happening. And unless this Bucks team really implodes, but I think they're going to f- figure out and bounce back. I mean, you're going up against the Saints, and in theory, they're still a really good team. They're crazy talented. Drew Brees might be falling off the cliff, but he doesn't have to do, uh, you know, a lot of long ball throwing or anything. Like, he has, not right now, Michael Thomas. He's hurt for a few weeks, but you got Michael Thomas, you got Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook, you got Emmanuel Sanders. You got a lot of guys that you, you don't have to send them deep. You know, you can play the dink and dunk 
with Breeze, and he's not going to get exposed too much. But it's just a tough loss for 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 Tampa to start the season. I mean, oh, let's just let's just call it how it is. It it's just it, it was just a tough game. They they had a lot of moving parts that they didn't have a chance yeah. to integrate into the offense because of no preseason, no training camp. We've said it, I think, four times this show. We're going to keep harping on it because that it's just. You can't expect teams that are bringing in a lot of new personnel, a lot of new guys, to just click right away. And the Tamp, like you said, Tampa Bay is immensely talented, especially on offense. But they have a lot, a ways to go to click with Tom Brady, and for that offense to get going, they look good at times. They looked awful at times. Brady made some good throws. He made some really bad throws at times, and that's to be expected from them. For I'd say a couple weeks, it's gonna take some time to click. So it doesn't really surprise me that the Saints came out and dropped 34 on them at home. It really doesn't, because that team has been together. They had pretty much the entire team back, on, especially on offense. They added Emmanuel Sanders. That was the only real addition, and they were able to click on offense. They didn't do anything crazy. I mean, their rushing attack was putrid, but they clicked on offense. Uh, they capitalized on the Bucks' mistakes and made them pay for it. And so it's really not surprising that the Saints take uh, the first head-to-head matchup. But talk to me when the, the second matchup. I'm yeah. That's further down the line. I want to see what the Bucks look like then. I'm not going to read too much into it until we get at least like four games in. If the Bucks are still struggling on offense, then you can raise a red flag and be like, maybe they're not who we thought they were going to be. Yeah, uh... I'll take it a little. I'll take a little bit of heat off that take, but I'm adding my own heat to it as well, <laughs> because Tampa Bay. I'm not really surprised. I'm not surprised that they lost uh, to New Orleans. You know, people can argue that New Orleans is the most well-rounded, well-built team in the league. You know, very few flaws on both sides of the ball. But the Bucks have a humongous game this week. They are playing the Carolina Panthers, whose defense is horrific. They just gave up 34 points at home to a garbage Las Vegas Raiders team. The Bucks, as of this show recording, are the largest favorites in the league this weekend at minus eight and a half at home against. I think it was nine and a half. The line has dropped. I got I got the lines ah. pulled up right here, but the line has dropped to minus eight and a half for the Bucks. Dare I say, you said you're willing to give them some time to mesh. This is a must-win for the Bucks. This is a must-win. I'm, I'm throwing out the must-win in Week 2. This is a must-win for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Oh, absolutely. It would be totally deflating if they lose to the Carolina Panthers, who a lot of people projected to be one yeah. of the worst teams in and the league. And let me tell you, there, there was a lot of emphasis on Brady and how he looked and whatnot. Rob Gronkowski is washed. Was, he is washed. That, he yeah. does not have it anymore. He's done. <laughs> he He's done, man. Like, once he really started to trim down and just kind of shed away all of that big bulky muscle he had, he lost who he was as a football player. He's a balls-to-the-wall, kind of a bully ball, and he's going to outbody a lot of people. He can't outbody anybody now. And he doesn't have the speed. He doesn't have the burst. He doesn't have any of that. Like, he, he might be able to give you a little bit blocking, but, like, ooh, he did not look good at all, Jonathan. You're right. And, you know, they should be able to take care of Carolina, but – they don't have Chris Godwin. You know, I don't think he's cleared uh, protocol he's yet. He's already out. He's already ruled out. He so, is out as of this time. And I mean, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I mean, it's not going to be. It's not going to be easy. 
they should be able to take care of Carolina again, but going forward, I don't know. I have no idea what to expect now with this Bucks team. And, I don't know, hopefully Brady isn't put in spots, like, constantly where, you know, you're going to see these picks. You know, I, I think there was one thing that was pointed out how, you know, they were lining up, like, Brady's not, Brady doesn't always line up on, uh, I forget I forget what it was, I think it was the left hash mark, where he's not, he doesn't typically line up on the left side, and just, it's a different kind of thing that Arians does, or a lot of other systems do, I don't know, so, we'll see. I don't know how much of Brady's system or anything that Arians is incorporating, but he should be taking everything, because that guy's got to be as comfortable as can be, and he didn't really look like it at all in week one. Um, do you guys have any other no- notable week one uh, games that really stuck out to you? Yeah, um, the Colts. I-, I thought they would be. I thought they were a quarterback away from being able to win that division with all the moves the Texans have made in the past year, and uh, they just came out and dropped the ball completely in Jacksonville, and uh, I'm I'm definitely not as high on them. They're still a quarterback away. Apparently they are. <laughs> Phil Rivers threw for three sixty-five, I think, but he just they found a way to throw three hundred sixty-five yards of meaningless passing yards. Yeah, he had and a Matt Ryan game. Then, yep, and that you can if you have aspirations to beat uh, to win your division, you, you can't be losing to what is presumably the worst team in the division. Maybe Jacksonville's better than we think they are, but. I'm not ready to make that that assertion after one week. To know. Um, my game I want to highlight, uh, I want to just quickly say, go Bears, Dan. Bears. Go Bears, 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 Bears. But the game I really want to hype on is, you were saying that Zach was doing cartwheels because of how the Bucks played. Yeah. I am doing cartwheels because of how the 49ers <laughs> play. That team is fraud. I didn't pick them to make the playoffs, and I am standing by that right now. That team, they're going to have a Super Bowl hangover this year. Jimmy G is a fraud. The Cardinals are legit. I'll give you that. The Cardinals are legit. They're going to be fighting probably for a wild card spot this year. But, man, you saw it coming. Now Kittle's banged up. He's their best player. Not good things in the Bay Area coming this year. Not good things coming. They're lucky they have a layup this week. They're lucky they have a layup this week. They might be playing sands the jags as we've already mentioned maybe the worst team in football in the jets whose offensive talent this weekend is disgusting i don't know jonathan uh left coast going to right coast Uh, 1 p.m game this game doesn't matter if if (laughs) i think you're out on the left coast no 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 the west coast to to the east coast bias jonathan is out no that's not true but i'm just telling you that as much as I think the 49ers are frauds, it would surprise me if they lost tomorrow. Then, I mean, oh, yeah. then everyone would have to jump to where I am right now. They, they're they not losing tomorrow. But they're still not good. They're just playing a trash opponent. Oh, yeah. The Jets are absolute trash. If they lose to the Jets, <laughs> Jimmy G hot seat. Uh, um, I was pleasantly surprised by the Packers and how efficient yeah. their offense was. They carved up that Vikings defense, just played them like a fiddle. Absolutely just got whatever they want. Rodgers looked like the Rodgers of old, not the Rodgers of the past couple of years. Um, I thought I thought Minnesota would take the division this year. I'm not ready to just abandon that just yet over one game, but 
because they also put up 34 themselves. But for the Packers to drop 43 on the Vikings week one, that's a great start for them. Um, and uh, that I definitely think if that's the offense we see more often than not, that's absolutely a playoff team. Not saying that we didn't think they were. Maybe some people um, don't think that. But I certainly thought they were a playoff team, that they would find a way. And if they play like that, they're definitely going to uh, find a way into the postseason. Yeah. I'll, I'll do another team that I think some people, they weren't sure if this team was going to be a playoff team, maybe on the outs. That's the Pittsburgh Steelers. They played Monday night. I thought they played pretty well. Big Ben's back. He looked healthy. He's hurt, which means he's healthy. <laughs> yes. And yes. that offense, Ryan, you talked about Deontay Johnson. I bought, I'm bought. i in on the Deontay Johnson hype this year. He did fumble the punt, but he did pace the uh, Steelers in targets on Monday night. He had even more targets than Juju. I, that offense looks like it's going to hum. I think the Steelers, they got really good defense. That's still the Ravens' division, but I think the Steelers, the way they're playing, should certainly, with three wild cards, they, they look like the definite wild card team. This they, year. they were very slow out of the gate. The, the first quarter, even the first half, they, they weren't getting much of anything going. But as soon as halftime, I don't, I don't know if Mike Tomlin just gave him a great speech or whatnot, but they, they, Deontay Johnson did basically nothing in the first half, and they made it a point to get him going. And to have Roethlisberger look at him and throw it his way. And it, it, it helped us, the, the offense get going. Juju had two touchdowns. He was very, he was effective with the targets he got. And Deion Johnson did get it rolling in the second half. If, if those two are working in tandem with Ro, uh, hurt slash healthy yeah. Roethlisberger, <laughs> then, yeah, I agree. That's definitely a playoff team. All right, I love it. Uh, I, don't, I don't have it. Any more to add? I'll have one or two uh, for the week two slate, but we might as well get into it. Mortal Locks of the week. Um, so far, uh, standings through week one, Jonathan and I are both 1-0. and Yes, sir. And Zach and Ryan are 0-1 <laughs> to start off the year early, yeah. but hey, that's the numbers to start. Ryan's going to be on his computer early this year when he starts. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I will come clean and say I was unprepared for that week one mortal lock. I should have done better. Should have put more thought into it. Nah. And because I hit my mortal lock in our pick'em group. Yes, you did. Because I didn't listen to me, myself on the radio show. Genius. Yep. Just hate to see it. You know, I, who, I, told uh, I know it. you had Pittsburgh in the pick. Who did you... I can't remember who you Carolina were. plus oh, Carol. two. That, yeah. It almost hit. It was two points away from hitting. <laughs> but it didn't hit nonetheless. Um, so maybe uh, maybe this week with a little more uh, research, we'll, uh, we'll get things going. All right. You want to kick us off? Yeah, why not? Uh, I think this is, this is pretty straightforward. I think Baltimore minus six and a half at Houston is as good a bet to mortal lock as could possibly be. The way Houston played in the season opener against the Chiefs, they were down 31-7 to in the fourth. Yes, they had a couple of touchdowns late to make the score look close, but the Chiefs still won by 14. Baltimore ran Cleveland out of the stadium in week one. Their offense looks like they haven't. They're picking up right where they left off from last year. Baltimore wiped the floor with Houston last year, 41-7. to I think Baltimore can easily win this game by a touchdown. Easily. All right, I'm a, I'm going to stay in the state of Texas, Ryan. I'm going to stay in the state of Texas. But I am going with the Dallas Cowboys, minus 4.5 at home against the Atlanta Falcons. 
The Falcons, for all they have on offense, their defense is putrid. They got abused last week by the Seahawks at home in Atlanta. The Cowboys offense, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott, I think that is going to be a field day. The Cowboys are going to be running wild on the Atlanta Falcons. Always have to be careful when betting uh, against the Falcons that you could have a sneaky backdoor cover. You could have a sneaky backdoor cover for the Falcons because no one loves throwing more garbage time touchdowns and whatnot than Matt Ryan. But coming off a disappointing loss, big game in Dallas, Mike McCarthy looking for his first win, coming back home. I just really like him. Atlanta's really bad on defense, and the Cowboys' offense should be really, really good. I like them. I like them minus four and a half tomorrow. I like them by a touchdown. How long are we going to, real quick, how long are we going to keep saying that the Cowboys' offense should be good? before It's going to be good tomorrow. Before we admit (laughs) that they're just not good. It's going to be. They should be so good. On paper, they're so good. (laughs) They just don't don't put it together. I do not understand. They're putting it together for at least one game tomorrow. (laughs) All right. Put Put it there. Yeah. Put it on the board for Jonathan. He loves the Cowboys. Um, so for me, pretty much a no-brainer. You got the LA Rams going on the road to Philadelphia. It's an even spread. We'll pick them. How do you not take the Rams Because uh, they're a left-coast team going to the East Coast. Do you Whoa. not take the Rams in this situation? The Philadelphia Eagles, they're frauds. As long as Carson Wentz is their quarterback... They are frauds. Woo. That guy is so overrated, it's not even funny, okay? And the freaking Eagles lost to the Washington Redskins. The what? What? The Washington football team. <laughs> Thank you. They lost to the football team led by Dwayne Haskins. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Week one, you come out looking like that, and you have a pick against the Rams, who, granted... Not a great Cowboys offense, like we've been saying. They beat the Cowboys, though, in week one, 20-17. And they're in a pick against this trash Philly team? Oh, my God. Give me the Rams all day over the Eagles. No. I love the Rams. I'm putting 20,000 Dunkies copies on it. That's how much I love them. <laughs> nah, Dan. That's, that's, you were yelling at me. I'm sticking to my roots. That's the left coast team coming to the East Coast. Nope. Gonna fail. You're wrong. wrong. No. Nope. <laughs> You are 1,000% wrong, my friend. I agree. If the Rams can beat the Cowboys, but the Eagles can't beat the football team, uh, it only makes sense. There's no way the Rams should lose to the Eagles. They, but they will. But they will. But <laughs> the Eagles are getting Miles Sanders back. They are getting, I believe, Lane Johnson on the offensive line. And there's a crazy stat for Carson Wentz when Lane Johnson is in the lineup. He averages like three and a half touchdowns passing when Lane Johnson is in the lineup, and it goes down to, like, 1.7. Cut, literally cut in half when Lane Johnson is not in the lineup. And you saw it last week. That, that offensive line for Philly was awful. No, yeah, it was not good at all. They, they started off fine. The, the, the offense That's in the first half was fine, but then second half, they had nothing going. Yeah. And the, the Washington defense just ate. So if, if, if it, it's a tale of two teams. If, if you get... The, the Philly team with its weapons that can be explosive, yeah, Philly can can win that game. But if you get the second-half version of, of the Philly offense from last week, oh, the Rams the Rams should win it handily. Yeah, I just I have no faith in the Eagles. 
I have no faith in Carson Wentz. So, I mean, you lose to a football team by 10 like that, 27-17, game one to start the year. Get out of here. I'm not going to pick you in a pick em. L.A. Rams over the Eagles. Love it. Absolutely love I it. I love it. I, I might parlay all three of us. I don't like I already it. did. I don't like I don't like I think the Eagles are going to win tomorrow. Well, that's okay. It's fine to be wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's stupid. Yeah. It's okay. You can lose money. It's yeah. all right. No, you're going to be wrong. Burrito butt? Oh. Four for four? Oh. Oh. Four for four? Four for four. So I got the Rams and you got the Eagles. Yeah. Rams win. I get the four for four. Yeah. Eagles, you get the 4-4. Four four. Time Deal. is a push. Time's a push. <laughs> Put it on the board. On the board. Another. Let's go, Eagles. Another board bet from Dan. Fly, Eagles, I, fly. I am now nervous about the Rams. <laughs> if I'm going to put this on the table, too. If I lose this board bet, this gimme of a freaking board bet, I'm giving myself a two-week ban from board bets. Oh, whoa. Gamblers Anonymous. Self-imposed. Oh, Self-imposed. Right. Because he, wow, he is he is he is gonna go on a temporary sabbatical if he can't get this one. Because this is such a gimme of a freaking board bet. I'm sick to my stomach how much of a freaking gimme it is. That if I lose it, I don't deserve to even think about making a board bet for you two weeks. Are gonna, Jared Goff is going to disappoint you tomorrow. Jared Goff is a perennial disappointment. He will he let is. you down. He is. Tomorrow. But every dog has their week. He had he'll one have, last week. No, he'll have another one. He no, he had that, two years ago when he got the Super Bowl. Yeah, he, was, he wasn't <laughs> that great last week. I mean, no. he only had like 10 fantasy points. He's not good. Like, he, 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 he did enough to win the game, but like he wasn't anything crazy. Mm. True. True. Uh, so, with that being said, would we like to you know move on to any week two games that you know, really stand out for you guys? Overall, well, you should you throw out uh, Zach's uh, mortal lock. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, he uh, submitted his uh, via Telegram. Yeah, he sent the carrier pigeon. Carrier pigeon from Zach. Zach has Buffalo minus five and a half over Miami as a mortal lock, and I love that. I almost picked that, but I was like, eh. I know if I pick Buffalo, like they're like Josh Allen's gonna throw five picks. So. I do remember last year, you you said Buffalo minus 17 and a half against Miami <laughs> was the lock of the century <laughs> at your house, they, they, blah, 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 and the, the following week, you were so downtrodden. They, you were so whoa. down in the dumps. <laughs> they did me and so you were, dirty. And the, the, the panel roasted you for that. Oh, yeah, because I, I, I haven't been as confident in a pick in that one. Since now, like th- I, that is why. So you're gonna get, you're getting roasted if the Eagles win tomorrow. Oh, if the Eagles win, I deserve to be absolutely shamed on the pod. <laughs> so I expect it. But again, it's not gonna happen because it's the biggest gimme ever. Like, how could you possibly miss this? Yeah, I, I like Zach's bet. I like the Bills yeah, minus, minus five and a half. Five, yeah. But um, you know, Fitzmagic might show up tomorrow. Yeah, you never. That's that guy is feast or famine, as feast or as famine as they come. I mean, if he didn't throw that third interception against the Pats and it was a touchdown instead, he would have finished with a touchdown and two picks, and they would have covered. Yeah. So and I think you always gotta be careful. Division teams, they know each other very well. They know each other very well. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And who knows? Who knows what what Josh Allen we're gonna see, or any of that. Uh, he he picked up where he left off with the rushing. Yeah. I'm I'm. 
That's not you, good you for my take. You were a Josh Allen hater. <laughs> I I was down on him this year. I I didn't think he was gonna be able to keep up the rushing. And uh, first first glance, he is he is still doing the thing. It's still working for him. So good for him. Good for him. Absolutely. And uh, week two games that we like. I'm gonna be honest. I don't really like many, if at all. Like uh, like. Obviously, I'm, I'm going to be pumped to watch these in general, but, like, there's not many matchups here in the Week 2 slate that I think are going to be great games or good games. Like, the Pats and Seahawks one, I think, has the best potential, which is the Sunday night uh, game. But besides that, you know, like, Ryan, I agree with you with the Ravens-Texans. I think Ravens are easily covering that game. Chiefs and Chargers, Washington football team and the Cardinals, like, Bills Dolphins could be just because like the Bills are in, 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 you know that's the AFC East you know we have a vested interest there, but there's not there's really no like big marquee matchups. I mean, the Rams and the Eagles isn't bad. That's kind of up there. Giants and Bears like what do the Bears look like? But I don't know about you guys, but there's none really that are like grab me by the shoulders and say. You're gonna be freaking on the edge of your seat to watch this. Um, I think you could see a lot of Minnesota and Indy on Red Zone tomorrow. That, um, that. both both offenses looked pretty good last last week to start the season. Um, I think you could see a lot of points in that game because, I mean, Minnesota's defense got exposed last week, um, and I think I think. The Colts, if, if they can't beat the Jags, I, I don't think they can beat Minnesota. So I think that's an easy uh, – Indy's somehow favored by three and a half. So I think that's another one where um, Minnesota could easily win that one and pull the upset as the underdog straight up. Um, but I think there could be a lot of points in that game. Low-key. Not, not going to lie. There's definitely going to be some gems that come out of this week. There's just like to the naked eye on, you know, on paper. Like, yeah, I mean – there's that. There's definitely some interesting like outcomes that we're gonna we're gonna get a little bit more info and answers on how we feel about teams, and I think that's like mainly the appeal here. Like, there's no like, you know, Chiefs Rams or Saints Bucks or anything crazy like that. But still, football's football, and I'm just happy we have it. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. There's no, I I agree with you. There's not a whole lot of games that that jump out to you, but. You, you can look and be like, okay, so Jacksonville's now going up against Tennessee this week. They just, they're coming off of a big upset over the Colts. Now they get another division rival. Yeah. If they beat the Titans and they beat two of the top teams in their division right off the bat when they were supposed to be the dumpster fire of the division, I mean, I'm not saying you have to take them serious just right then and there. But you got to start looking at them like, hey, maybe, maybe they're not so bad after all. Clearing house, maybe, yeah, maybe they've they've figured it out, and maybe they're not tanking after all. But so that's that's definitely a, a game that I'm interested to see the outcome of. Yeah, for sure, and just to see those things develop as the season goes on, like that's always interesting. Um, so you don't, yeah, you like you don't need the marquee matchups to be to you know be very interested or engaged you know with this week so i'm pumped i'm absolutely pumped uh jonathan anything for you um games wise no i mean should be a good slate you got a bunch of division games tomorrow yeah um 
I think offense. I, I like some of the matchups for offense. Like Ryan said, mm-hmm. the matchup, the 49ers and Falcons, I think is going to be another high-scoring game. Um, but games-wise, no. Nothing like in particular really sticks out to me. I think Pittsburgh, Denver could sneaky be a good game. Um, but yeah, I'm ready to move on to fantasy love hate if you guys are. Oh yeah, ready. absolutely, absolutely. I can so start if fantasy you want love me to. hate, Jonathan. If All right, you, you're ready. Yeah. So last week, my hate was Adam Thielen, and I hate how wrong my <laughs> hate was. That guy. He had 31 points in PPR, 6 for 110 and 2 touchdowns. So, this week for my love, I am going Marvin Jones Jr., who is facing the Packers secondary that I said was going to lock down Adam Thielen, and they did not. (laughs) This is a different, this is a Lions team similar to the Vikings. Not a lot of pass catchers. Marvin Jones is their clear number one with Kenny Galladay already ruled out. I expect similar to what Thielen did against this Packers team last week. It's funny that you say that Marvin Jones Jr. is <laughs> your fantasy love uh, because Danny Amendola is my oh, fantasy love. So clearly we like Matt Stafford and I, Lions. I, I think that's a mutual agreement <laughs> yes. there. Um, Amendola had five for 81 last week without Galladay, and I think with Galladay out again, the targets will be there. Um, I think that he's in store for another pretty solid day. If he gets a touchdown off of what, if you add a touchdown to his stat line from last week, which he could easily replicate this week, that's wide receiver two numbers, wide receiver two production. I think his floor this week is, I think he's a very solid flex play this week. Uh, He's hardly owned in ESPN leagues. He's owned in, I think like 13% of ESPN leagues. So he's out there. Like you can get him if you need some help with injuries and whatnot. Um, but I think he's capable of wide receiver two production this week uh, with Kenny Dolladay out. So I, I definitely like that. And real quick, I was also really bad last week with my fantasy love hate. My fantasy hate, uh, Kareem Hunt, outscored my fantasy love, Tyler Higby in fantasy. So Ooh. that was that was tough. Tough. That is something you really do hate to see, Ryan. Uh, my fantasy love is... A member of the Tennessee Titans, uh, Corey Davis. Um, Don't so buy into him. He man. popped off week one. I know last year he ha- he had hype because he he has shown promise, and last year did not help him at all. He did not have a good year. But again, he was able to pop off week one against a decent Denver defense. Um, he had seventeen point one points, over hundred yards uh, receiving, seven catches, especially good for PPR. Um, you know, he's only rostered in 27% of fantasy leagues in ESPN, so he's definitely out there. If you need somebody as, like, a flex, I would certainly not trust this guy as, like, a wide receiver two or one for sure. I would use him as a flex if you need it. Because right now, like Jonathan just said, don't buy into him like crazy, but he's there. A.J. Brown gets plenty of attention. Adam Humphreys gets plenty of attention as well. So I think he's going to be there. He's going to have games where he pops off. He's not going to be putting up 12 to 15 per game, but he will pop off uh, from time to time. So we'll see if it's uh, consistent. But if you need an option, I think he is a safe bet if you need a flex. 
Um, and I honestly might do the same thing. I want to tell you something that's going to help your Corey Davis play is A.J. Brown is not playing. Yeah, I was just going to say that. He's he's not, he's out. He's so A.J. Out. Brown's out, so that... He's you know, definitely the as, clear-cut number one wide receiver spot. Well, yeah, as long as Davis doesn't get locked up by uh, the number one on Jacksonville, uh, their corner, but they got rid of all their corners, so <laughs> it doesn't really matter, I guess. Jacksonville can't even... They don't even have anyone to cover him. So, I do. I like that. I like Corey Davis. Um, yeah. That's my fantasy love. Okay. My fantasy hate is Dan. I'm going back to our bet. I hate Malcolm Brown tomorrow against the Eagles. This guy was the number one waiver yeah. wire pickup after week one. He went off for 26 fantasy points. Uh, he had 75 yards, two touchdowns. Also had three catches and 31 yards. The Eagles... Have a very good run defense. They're one of the top run defenses in the league last year. In addition to Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers, I think much like the Patriots, as we mentioned earlier, I think the Rams are running back by committee, and especially against a tough run defense. If you picked up Malcolm Brown off the waiver wire, which I may or may not have done in a, in a league, <laughs> I would not recommend starting him this week. You have to see with him another week, especially he's got a tough matchup this week. I wouldn't expect much out of him. He might be playable going forward, but don't plug and play and think he's going to replicate what he did last week. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, but uh, uh, to play devil's advocate, I also think that while they may be running back by committee on the surface, I think they're they're very comfortable riding the hot end. And I agree. I think you saw the beginning of that last week. If, if Brown gets off to a solid start again, I could easily see them just running with him as the bell cow and sprinkling in some Henderson and some Akers from there. Uh, my fantasy hate is not for a player. It is for a coach. Sean Payton, what are you doing? Why is Michael Thomas in the game with two minutes left when you've already seen him limping on the sidelines before that the, the play where Kamara fell back into him and sprained his ankle? Why is he in the game blocking when you're up 10, 11 points with two and a half minutes to go, I think, was when the injury occurred? It, it occurred a little bit before the two-minute warning, or right around then. Why is Michael Thomas in the game, then, just to block? You're just running off the clock. Why is he in the game? Why is... Why? Why? Why would you allow that? He was bottled up three for 17. He had a noticeable limp in this late in the game. And then you, you take that chance... You just don't sit him when he was already having a bad day, and then you let it become worse. Why would you do that? Why? Is it because I have him on a couple fantasy teams? Did you know that? Did you know that? Yes. I think you knew that. I think you knew that, and I dislike you. He wanted to run. run Even if if you didn't know that. That's just common sense to just keep your star healthy. And if he's not 100% late in a game that you've already got in the bag, why would you take that chance? Why? It hurts. It hurts you, and, and now it, it hurts It hurts other people. You, <laughs> you stink. You stink. Well, clearly Ryan's got beef with Sean Payton. Uh, Bounty Gate put out a hit on Ryan Thomas. Facts. <laughs> uh, my fantasy hate... For a number of reasons, is uh, DeAndre Swift of the Detroit Lions. Um, 
This is a guy, like, you can have on your bench because, like, you don't know what's going to happen with that running back group because they're going to rotate Peterson, carry on, and Swift, it looks like, and try to figure out what they got. But not a great look for Swift uh, dropping the game-winning touchdown in week one. Um, you really hate to see that. He did get a touchdown, though, in the game. It was a rushing one, but he only had three attempts. Wasn't really utilized too much. And he had three catches for 15 yards. So, I mean, you know, he's not a total bum. But literally, like, 85% of fantasy leagues have him on a roster, which is kind of shocking to me because, I don't know, I just think he's a total question mark. And don't start him. Just wait until someone emerges out of that running back group in uh, Detroit. So just don't start him. Whatever you do, don't start him. Just keep him on your bench until his role is really uh, set in stone. Yeah, it was definitely a bit of a surprise to see uh, Adrian Peterson. I think he paced the team in carries, which, I mean, they just signed him like a week ago. Yeah, and he's going to be the goal line back too, knowing yeah. his size. Carry on Johnson looks like he just got phased out of the offense completely as the game went on. So, uh, apparently the, the, the game plan looks to be Adrian Peterson on first and second down, DeAndre Swift on third down, because he ran the most – he was on the field technically. I think the most he ran the most he had the most snaps and he absolutely ran the most routes out of the backfield for that. So don't abandon all hope on DeAndre Swift. But yeah, that's a tough look to drop the game winning touchdown in your your NFL debut because <laughs> it was fairly open in the end zone. Oh my gosh. Uh, but don't abandon all hope. Just 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 wait. If you drafted DeAndre Swift, I think you knew what you were doing. At least I hope you did. It wasn't you weren't looking for the value right away. You were looking for the late season value. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's what everybody's strategy who drafted DeAndre Swift. You know, like wait. I also I also don't think anybody that drafted DeAndre Swift um, really anticipated Adrian Peterson being signed to the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Absolutely not. So that's kind of a wrinkle that wasn't expected. But on the bright side of DeAndre Swift, if he had caught that game winning touchdown. It's like a 19-point game. It's not bad. That's really good. Yep. So, it's just, let's just wait and see. Let's just wait and see. But, yeah, that's our fantasy love and hate. Um, do we have anything else we want to add before we end the show? Big Ten is back. Big Ten is back. Hopefully the Pac-12 will join this week. Is uh, that up for consideration? Uh, they're doing a, I believe they are anticipating a vote from the Pac-12 board or whatever on Thursday and they are uh, hoping to be able to fit in a season that would make them eligible for the college football playoff Uh, but they do still have some things to work out because you've got schools like Stanford and Cal who have local government orders in place where they can they still can't even practice a lot of um, California and Oregon uh, they still are in they're not able to practice and have any of those but there is uh, optimism that the states will allow um allow um i'm brain farting on the word they'll they'll allow them to they'll give them like stays on the order so that they can they can sort of practice and play the games if 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 the conditions are 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 suitable Mm -hmm. and you've also got the wildfires going on that doesn't help air quality too that's another thing they'll have to monitor. We, you've already seen it in NFL games where there's been talk of potentially moving them back, but 
like the NFL says, they're always gonna plug right through. They're not. They're just gonna <laughs> keep chugging along. Yep. All right. Well, that's our show, boys. Um, we will be back next week. We will hopefully be on the radio next Wednesday as well uh, for our hourly show. Uh, that is on ninety-one point five WBIM in the Boston Bridgewater area, and yeah, check it out. We'll be on 4 to 5 p.m. on Wednesdays. That's when we'll be live uh, reacting to whatever happened in the prior week during the NFL season. So thank you all for listening. Ryan, thank you. Jonathan, thank you. And we'll see you all next time. Duke sucks. And thank you all for listening. Go Duke! Go Celtics. Fuck you. Fuck you. Almost heaven. West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is older, older than the trees, younger than the mountains, growing like a breeze. Country roads, take me home to the place. Steve.